uh, given the title of Incredibles 2. We're talking about some incredible superheroes of the faith out of Hebrews chapter 11. So let me just jump right into it because I know you can't wait to get back out there and do some donuts in the parking lot, you know? Slide around a little bit. Uh, I will say, uh, after this service, we're not going to have anything else up here today. All the afternoon activities plus tonight's Bible study has been canceled, okay? So uh, this is it. Are you ready? Do you, do you want all of it or just part of it? That's exactly what I thought. That's, that's what I was going to give you regardless of what you said. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child which, when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading and now the preaching of your word. As I speak on the outside, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak this truth to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. After 17, or I suppose 18 years if you count kindergarten, of public education, and then into my third year of college, I finally figured out that it is wise to prepare for tests. <laughs> Come on, people. Huh? I finally figured that out. I mean, the tests I did the best on were tests that the teachers gave the questions to us in advance. Open book tests. I did best on those. You know what? Some teachers are mean. And they like to fool you and trick you. And they don't tell you what's going to be on the test. I've never liked those teachers. You know what? God doesn't play games with us. When God tests your faith, He tells you up front what the tests are going to be. In fact, the Bible tells us what tests we are going to have to face in life. We're going to look at that this morning through the life of Abraham. Four tests that Abraham had to take. And these four tests show us if we are true believers in Jesus Christ. We know that He's going to give us the test. We know what's going to be on the test. We can prepare for that. But one thing we don't know is the timing. He doesn't tell us that. And what I figured out in life is that God specializes in pop quizzes. Okay? So you need to be ready. He tells us these tests are coming. He tells us what's on the test. He doesn't tell us when. you got to be ready. So let's look at the four tests of a true believer, a real believer. These tests help us answer the question, am I truly, truly following the Lord Jesus Christ? The four tests 
that Abraham had to face in his life. Test number one. It's the test of a major change. It really talks about the where question in life. Verse number 8 of Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed. Underline that word, he obeyed. And he went even though he did not know where he was going. Most of you know this story of Abraham. God asked Abraham to make a major change in his life. God said, pack up everything and move. The only thing is, God didn't tell him where he was moving to. He just said that he was going to be moving. Now, I can imagine Abraham had a lot of questions. Would you? Like, Lord, where am I going? Lord said, I'll let you know that. Abraham asked, how long is it going to take? Lord said, I'll let you know that too. Abraham asked, Lord, how do I know when I've gotten there? Lord said, I'll let you know that as well. Let me ask you, would you move on that basis? Wow, it's kind of scary. We're talking about a major change, not only for Abraham, but for his entire family. I think this was especially difficult for Abraham for several reasons. In the book of Genesis, it tells us that Abraham, when he moved, was 75 years old. Really, Abraham was at the point where he's saying, God, I'm ready to retire. And God said, no, Abraham, you're ready to aspire. <laughs> Abraham said, I'm ready to hang it up. And God said, no, you're not. Take it down and let's move. Abraham said, God, I'm ready to take it easy and relax on easy street. And God said, Abraham, you're about to have the biggest adventure of your life. Just come on. Let's go. He was old. Not only that, Abraham was pretty wealthy. Abraham lived in the city of Ur. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound too appealing to me. Yeah. Maybe that's why he wanted to leave. He lived in Ur. Ur. Now, honestly, I told the first service people this. When I read this and I read about Ur, I think about Plano. It's just called Plano. You know, it's just a Plano, Plano, Texas, Plano. It was my Ur, though, let me tell you. Archaeologists tell us that Ur was a beautiful metropolitan city at the time. It was the home of the wealth of the world. It was a capital city. They actually have unearthed what they believe to be shopping malls in Ur back in that day. Abraham, listen to me, Abraham was a fat cat in Ur. He had it made. He had sheep, he had cattle, he had at least 50 servants. He had accumulated a lot of stuff. And now God is asking him to make a major move with his family and relatives, all of his sheep and all of his cattle. And I'm telling you, that's a lot of work, isn't it? They didn't have moving companies back then. A lot of work for him. On top of that, God didn't even tell him where he wanted him to go. Verse 8, it says, Abraham moved immediately even though he did not know where he was going. He immediately left. He did not raise any question or excuse. He just left. Really, the first test of a real believer is this. A real believer is going to follow God's leading without knowing where. 
Did you get that? You're going to follow God even though He may not tell you where you're going. Now, let's apply this to your life. For some of you, God has asked you already to make a major change. And you know it. You feel it in your spirit. You, you don't know where you're supposed to go, but you know you're not supposed to stay where you are. You're uncomfortable. And you're asking the question, where? I mean, it's the where question to life. Test number one, the where question. Where should I work? Where should I live? Where should I retire? Where should I try to find a job? Where should I go to school? Some of you need to write that one down. Because I, I know you've already been thinking about it. Where do I go to school? I mean, it's the where question. Legitimate questions, right? And some of you are saying, God, show me. And God is saying, I'll tell you what, you get moving first and then I'll direct you. You see, it's a lot easier to move a train that's already moving. It's a lot easier to direct an 18-wheeler when it's already rolling. And it's a lot easier for God to direct you when you get up from where you're sitting and say, okay, Lord, I'm available. I'm going to start moving. You just direct me where you want me to go. If your faith hasn't led you to take any risk, then it's not faith at all. Big test. It's the where question to life. Test number two, the delayed promise. It's the when question. Verse number nine, By faith Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. There's a really important word that appears two times in verse 9, and it's the word promise. Promise. Promise is an important word in the vocabulary of a believer. God wants us to base our lives on His promises. Not on explanations, but on expectations. God promised Abraham, Abraham, if you'll move, I will give you the land of Israel. The problem is, after he got there, there was a delay in the transfer of ownership. Really, Abraham lived a hundred more years, and, and really he never even received it at that point. Notice it says that he lived in tents. In a tent. You talk about temporary living. How would you like to live in a tent for a hundred years? Any takers? <laughs> he never settled down. He was constantly on the move. How long did he have to wait for this? Well, the verse tells us, so did Isaac and Jacob. That's two more generations. So literally, Abraham had to wait three generations to get that promise fulfilled. That's a long time to wait. I'm sure Abraham started every morning with the same prayer. When, Lord? The first big test is where. The second big test is when. Lord, when am I going to get it? When are you going to answer my prayer? Lord, when are you going to fulfill that promise? When are you going to meet my needs? 
I don't know about you, but I can handle tests if I know there's a time limit to them. And I know it's eventually going to get better. Hmm? You know what? It, it's much more difficult to handle the kinds of tests that we're talking about when there is no end in sight. It, it just seems to go on and on and on. It doesn't get any better. The marriage problem doesn't get any better. The job situation doesn't get any better. There's no end in sight. The test never ends. It's continual. It's a delayed promise. You know the answer is coming, but you don't know when. And you hang on and you hang on and you keep praying. But instead of it getting better, it gets worse. We've looked at three superheroes so far. We've looked at Moses, we've looked at Noah, and today we're looking at Abraham. And you know what? We see that God always puts real believers through a test of waiting because all of these men had to wait. You're going to have to wait. You will face the test of when. How long can you wait? Hmm? It, it, I told the first service when I was writing this and thinking about this, I couldn't, I couldn't help but think about not only my personal life, but our church. And God's made us some pretty big promises. We've stepped out on faith. You know what? A lot of things have been accomplished, but there's still a big promise out there we've been waiting on. Lord, when? When are you going to give us the rest of the land? Lord, when are you going to give us that new building? We certainly don't need a bigger building this morning. I can tell you that, but you know. Last Sunday we did. Lord, when are you going to give us more parking? I don't know. Right now we're in a holding pattern. We're waiting. I guess God is, is seeing if we're going to be faithful to the little things while we wait. But that's a big test. Test number one, a major change. Can you follow God's direction without knowing where? Test number two, a delayed promise. Can you trust in His timing? Can you wait for God's timing without knowing when it's going to be? Test number three is the impossible problem test. It's the how in the world are you going to do this, God, kind of test. We read about it in verses 11 and 12. It says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him being as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Now this is the third great test in Abraham's life. God had promised Abraham that one day he would be the father of a great nation, the nation of Israel. But the problem was, at this point, Abraham is 99 years old and he still had no children. Would you be concerned? Huh? Abraham's 99 years old. Sarah's right behind him. She is incapable physically of having children. Abraham looks at himself and says, No way, Jose. 
Sarah looks at herself and then she looks at Abraham. She says, double way, no, double no way, Jose. It ain't going to happen. Humanly speaking, this is an impossible situation. You know what? It's almost, it's almost funny. Isn't it? I'm not being sacrilegious when I say that because the Bible tells me that even Sarah and Abraham laughed. It wasn't a hee-hee-ha-ha laugh. It was kind of a sarcastic laugh. This story is actually found in Genesis chapter 18. Abraham sitting out there uh, in the front of his tent and these three strangers appear. One of them just happens to be the Lord Himself. And in verse 9 of 18 of Genesis, the Lord said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, The Lord said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed, within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, you did laugh. <laughs> you know who had the last laugh? God did. Because He did a miracle. Hmm. Some of you are worried sick today because you don't know how God's going to do it in your life. You're in the third test. You're right smack dab in the middle of an impossible situation. And it scares you to death. And you're discouraged because you don't know how it's going to turn out. How, Lord? How? Lord, how am I going to make ends meet this month? Lord, how am I going to make my house payment this month? Lord, how am I ever going to get out of debt? Lord, how are we ever going to be able to afford a home? Lord, how can I handle all this pressure? Lord, how can I ever find time for Bible study and ministry? Lord, how? Lord, how are you going to get through to change my husband's attitude? <laughs> Lord, how are you ever going to bring my wife back home? Lord, how are you ever going to get through the thick skulls of my kids? The how questions are endless. Lord, how? How's this going to happen? It's the third test of your faith. And here, my friend, is the third lesson you need to learn. A real believer will expect a miracle without knowing how. A true believer is just going to trust God that He's going to pull it off. That He can do it. How's God going to do it? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the future holds. But I do know who holds the future. And I love what the Lord said in Genesis chapter 18, 
verse 14, to Abraham and Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? No, it's not. The test of life, a major change where, a delayed promise when, an impossible situation, how. But there's one more test. And honestly, church, it is the ultimate test. It was the ultimate test in Abraham's life, and it will be the ultimate test in your life. I guarantee it. It will be the ultimate test in your life to see if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ. It is the test of a senseless tragedy. It is the why question. We go back and read this in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to skip down to verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, here's these tests, he was tested. He offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Well, these are some amazing verses. You know the story. It's really probably the story that more people question in the Bible than any other story that's found in the Bible. God asked Abraham. Now his son Isaac at this point, that miracle baby was grown. He was probably 12 or 14 years old. God came to Abraham one day and said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your own son to me. Offer him up. Sacrifice him. Kill him. <laughs> Could you do that? Let me tell you this. This was without precedent. Abraham had absolutely no idea that God would eventually stop his hand with that knife and provide a ram in the thicket. He didn't know that. He didn't have the rest of the Bible to teach him about what God's nature was really like. All he had was Isaac. And Isaac represented every single thing that God had given to Abraham. I, I don't know what his response is. I know what ours is. It's shock. We think it's unfair. How in the world could God make a request like that? How could God ask a father to sacrifice his only son? I mean, this sounds like pagan worship. And again, Abraham had no idea that God would not tell him eventually, stop. What amazes me is the absolute confidence that Abraham does have in God. In fact, it tells us in verse 19 that he reasoned, he calculated, he thought it over in his mind, and he concluded, he decided this basic truth of life. That God has every right to make any demand on me that He wishes to make on me. God has that right. God can ask of me anything He desires to ask of me, whether I understand it or not. Because He's God. God is God. 
He made me. I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for God. Therefore, everything I have, have had, and will have really belongs to God. So any demand He makes on my life, I don't have any right to disobey Him. If He asks for it, I must be willing to give it to Him. On top of that, I think Abraham figured if God could give him a miracle son at age 100, he could also raise him from the dead. <laughs> I think that's the confidence that Abraham had in God. If God's going to kill him, then God's going to raise him back up. That was his confidence. So what is the lesson in test number four? The lesson is this. A real believer will trust God's purpose without knowing why. We don't have to know why. We just trust God. You know, there are a lot of contradictions in life. We just can't figure them out. We never will figure them out. Some of you are going through this right now. It's the most difficult test. It is the why question of life. And, and for the sake of you, you don't know why. Some of you are in the middle of this why test. Why did I get fired from my job? Why did God allow my spouse to have an affair? Why have I had a miscarriage? Why has my child died? Why has my spouse passed away? Why? Why am I going through this? There's nothing wrong with asking those kinds of questions. Really, there's nothing wrong with asking how or why or when or where. Abraham asked those questions. In fact, every great person in the Bible asked them. There's nothing wrong with asking God the questions. But let me tell you, the real test comes when you ask the question and the answer does not come immediately. How do you handle the whys and the hows and the whens and the wheres of life when God is silent? What's amazing to me is that God never gave Abraham an explanation for any of the four tests he faced. God seldom does. He, he didn't answer Job's questions. He didn't give an explanation. He just said, follow me. Trust me. I'll take care of it. I'll provide. And Abraham trusted God without having any explanation. Let me tell you what our problem is. I know it's our problem because I have it too. Our problem, why we don't live by faith, is because we expect and we demand an explanation for everything. But if God explained everything... There would be no living by faith. Faith goes beyond the realm of explanations. If you have everything figured out in your life, all the hows, all the whys, all the whens, and all the wheres, let me tell you something, friend, you're not living by faith. It's that simple. <laughs> because that's what faith is. You know, when you take human tests, if you think about this, the secret... The secret is knowing the right answers. Right? If you, want an, if you want an ace, a human test, a test that is given to you at school, 
Just know the right answers. You'll ace it. But the secret of acing God's test is not knowing the answers, because you won't, and yet you still trust Him. In His test, you don't have to know the answers. In fact, that is the test. The test is, do you trust Me? God says, do you believe in Me? Do you believe in My love, even though you don't know all the whens, the wheres, the hows, and the whys in life? Do you trust Me? Do you? One of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in Mark chapter 9. In verse 24, a man comes to Jesus who is desperately ill. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? The man said, yes. So Jesus responded, well, do you believe? And this man's answer is classic. He said, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. <laughs> wow. You know, as I think about it, that's, that's really what we need the most this morning. That, that's how you begin this life of faith. Lord, I believe. I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Do you know what God did on the basis of that response? Jesus healed the man. He said, that's good enough. That's good enough to be healed. You just, you just believe and ask me and trust me. And I'll give you what you need. Lord, I believe. Just help my unbelief. Lord, I don't know where, but I believe in You. Lord, I, I don't know how. I don't know how You're going to do it. I don't know how You're going to get me out of this mess, but I believe in You. Lord, I don't know when. I don't know when You're going to intervene. I don't know when this is going to end. I don't know how long I'm going to have to wait, but I'm going to trust You. And Lord, I don't know why. I, I don't know why it's happened. There is no explanation other than I'm trusting in you. This is real life. Because, like you, I've been there. And if you haven't, you will. I don't know why. I can look back on some of the most traumatic times in my life and I still can't tell you why a guy like me would have to go through a mess like that. Other than the fact, looking back on it, God refined me. God molded me into the man that He wanted me to be. And I'm going to tell you, had I not gone through those things, I wouldn't be standing here today. So just trust Him. Some of you need to trust Him for the first time today. Give Him your heart and life. Others have kind of slipped away, and today you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Then for the rest of us, you know what? I, there's, there's just a small... This is kind of almost like... This is not even as big as a Wednesday night crowd. <laughs> okay, can I tell you that? So why don't we just all come to the altar and pray today? Would you do that? Come on. Let's, 
What a different way to end the service. Come on, let's come right now. We don't have to have music. Let's just come and pray together, would you? Let's come. Give God our problems. Give God our worries and our anxieties. Give God our lives. Say, Lord, here I am. I don't know really where you want me to be or what you want me to be doing right now, but I'm willing to give it to you, Lord, and trust you.